0: Season six, episode seven is over, but we are just getting started here on Once Upon a Recap. Hello, all you magical people out there! My name is Mike Bloom, and I am joined, as always, by a guy who I just found out also had a pony for his fifteenth birthday. Kurt Clark. Kurt, how's it going?
1: I don't. I'm just a little confused because it turns out that all those years ago we had, we did that podcast, but we didn't know we were actually podcasting with each other. And then like it was a huge revelation now because we just had this flashback, and it turns out we've been podcasting this whole time.
0: Yeah, we grabbed the communal <laughs> sapling microphone, and we had flashes to that one time when I was podcasting with someone, and I couldn't see their face, but I just remember their voice specifically, and I, I didn't even know Kurt. It was you. Talked about a misconnection in the uh, Enchanted Forest version of Craigslist.
1: Yeah, at least it's that. That's that part of Craigslist. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so we're here talking about episode seven of season six. I don't want to call this an episode that has really divided the fan base, but it seems like there have been a contingency of people that have absolutely loved this episode and people who have absolutely abhorred this episode. So right at the top, Kurt, I want to hear from you. We're a couple of days out from seeing it live. What did you think about
1: this week's episode? I did not enjoy this week's episode, Mike. (laughs) Okay. And, and And I'm wondering if that division is based on how much you... Are invested in the Snow Charming storyline, um, in, in terms of or like them as characters. Um, if you're romantic at heart, I, I I used to think I was, but maybe maybe I'm not. But I I just you really become a cold, cynical man. <laughs> yeah, there's 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 black blotches all over my heart. If you were to yank it out of my chest, um, it yeah, it, it's just it's it's I didn't like this. I didn't. I wouldn't say I hated it as much as I think there's other things I would have liked to have seen explored.
0: Yeah. I've gone through a little bit of flip-flopping the past couple days, because right after the episode aired, I had a very vocal and immediate reaction to the episode. I thought it was stupid, <laughs> I thought that the episode was useless, that why did I just spend 40-plus minutes watching that when nothing happened? And then over the course of the past couple of days, I think the episode does have its merits. I feel like my opinions might have been clouded by the flashback, which I will say by far, was the worst part of the episode to me. Even worse than Golden Regina making out in the pawn shop, if you can believe it. I did not like the flashback, and I'm sure we'll get to it. But I did enjoy what was going on in the main storyline of Storybrooke. Now, again, did anything really happen aside from the last 10 minutes of the episode? No, but it also brings up an interesting point here. I would argue this and last week's episode... Kurt, do you think we're seeing some fluff here in Once Upon a Time Season 6? We're not doing half seasons. So they can definitely plot out these longer-term storylines like we've been talking about throughout the season. Do you think this might be an example of the writers saying, okay, well, we're filling 22 episodes instead of 11. We could definitely throw in a couple of these episodes which are more character-focused and not necessarily working towards that end goal of defeating the evil queen?
1: Uh, That could very well be. I mean, I'm, my, my opinion of this episode is that it could have pretty much been taken care of in five to ten minutes. Um, you know, do you take out the flashback, uh, or I don't, I don't know. I just didn't feel like the the ball was moved down the field a whole lot in terms of advancing much of anything. Uh, so I, I, describing it as fluff, I could kind of see that you're, like you said, it's a longer potential season where you're not trying to cram in two smaller uh major stories uh it's it can be one like longer you know 22 23 episode season so maybe there yeah there is the room to um to uh, whether it's throw a bone to or appease or satisfy Or or an axe um the uh To to the to to the people who are wanted to see a little bit more charming and snow. Um, I mean, maybe this you know saves us from them having uh, kind of. I think what we saw in the the the, like an eleven episode story arc is you saw like sub stories within single episodes. Just like okay, we didn't need that fifteen minutes of snow and charming. At least like this maybe gets it all out of the way in one episode.
0: Mm -hmm. And I think we got closer to solving the. Problem that has existed with those two characters the past couple seasons, in our opinion, of they were like the main characters in the first couple seasons, and then they pretty much once they got together, they were pretty much relegated to the back of the ensemble while everyone else was bringing forward your uh, your your flavor of the weeks, if you will, or flavors of the half seasons. So I am happy that at least they got this episode, and we'll talk definitely at the end about what the ramifications might be of this twist of how essentially uh, Charming and Snow seem to be taking shifts, and that only one of them can be awake at a time, the other one has to be under a sleeping curse, which might make things a little interesting.
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't know if this will go over your head or not, uh, Mike, but I, I, I was kind of thinking of this as the Lady Hawk curse. Um, have you, have you, did you see that movie? I did not. Um, uh, I believe it is Rutger Hauer, and I can't remember the the female lead. I don't think it's Susan Sarandon. Uh, I just saw Rocky Horror Picture Show last week, so maybe I'm getting that confused. But basically, uh, Matthew Broderick's in it as well. And it's this uh, woman and this man who are in love with each other, and they're cursed such that, I believe... Uh, she is a hawk by day, and he is a wolf by night. Uh, spoiler alerts, uh, but this is from the '80s, so you know uh, that that's on you. Uh, so basically, they were in love, but every time that the sun set, you know she would travel. She would transform back into a woman just as he was transforming into a wolf, so they could never end up being together. and Matthew Broderick was like the like the the knave to Rutger Howard's knight. Um, so the, the curse very much reminded me of that in that um, it's not a day and night thing, but it's more of like that old uh, "whose line is it anyway" uh, game of sitting, standing, lying down. Whereas, as long as oh, one, yeah. of is, uh, one of them is one of them is is sleeping, the other has to be awake.
0: Well, I don't think anyone in podcast history has ever compared Lady Hawk and whose line is it anyway in the same breath. So, yeah, break to you, Kurt. <laughs> break,
1: breaking new ground here. But breaking hey, but, new gra- but you but you you do kind of bring up an interesting point, and, and maybe this is the where what I'm going through is there's so many characters that I'm much more interested in than charming and snow so maybe that's why I feel this way and the, maybe the way I and so it's kind of circular reasoning in that maybe I don't feel as connected to to snow and charming because they just haven't had a prominent role and so maybe if if this was to become a major storyline and they were to actually kind of you know start to take a little bit more of the foreground for a a, a, you know you know three four or five episodes maybe just because i'm now used to seeing them on the screen they're actually getting something to do maybe that i would end up kind of just liking them because of the exposure if the reason that i don't care for them is due to the lack of exposure so i know if if this happens for a couple more episodes my tune could change
0: Well, that being said, though, let's start talking about the flashback narrative specifically, which sort of just completely goes against everything I just said. If we're going back to the grand analogy we made last season of if each character's timeline is a big blank wall, the more times you go back to that well, you are starting to paint in a historical timeline of that individual this was by far like the most microscopic flashback that we possibly could have painted in. Kurt, I'd be intrigued to hear from you before we start getting down to the nitty gritty of it. What did you think about the idea of going back to Snow and Charming and how they first met, even though they didn't realize it, in the Enchanted Forest?
1: I thought it was completely unnecessary. I mean, they, they kind of... Fi- I mean, the writers could have twisted it such... I mean, they figure out that the... you Let's know, talk about the, the, the sapling... Um, they figure out that the sapling appeared in the area where uh, Snow White found him uh, – where, where Charming was found in the woods or where Snow White found Charming in the woods. Um, or, or I can't remember exactly how it played out, but it, it's a place where they had been before. Um, and so they could have very well played up that that's why the sapling is probably there. Um, i don't think they they could have they could have had some reasoning for why the sapling was where it was uh without it's necessarily uh having to have had a flashback i mean they, they could have had the sapling underneath uh the the hospital you know in you know below the asylum, uh, where you know he was like unconscious in bed and throughout the first season. So I, there could have just been so many more different ways to play it. Um, the one the good thing about the flashback was that I can start referring to the man in the iron mask and actually have it refer to somebody. Yeah, Although it's the Woodman. The uh,
0: <laughs> they, like, B-team version of Graham the Huntsman, essentially. Like, oh, here's another <laughs> no, murderous yeah. mercenary
1: in the Enchanted Forest. A, a woodsman, not a Huntsman. Um, yeah. And, and I I completely did not pick up, and this, this is on me, uh, when they kind of cut to that view from the inside of the cell. Oh, come cell. on,
0: Kurt. You had to. Even before they do that, you had to know, like, dude was big stature standing around like, he's got to be the woodcutter. He has to be the woodcutter.
1: I didn't. I thought that I didn't. I didn't think we were going back to the woodcutter i didn't I did not make the connection. I even saw the metal mask in the thing, and maybe I was just too excited about the man in the iron mask possibility that I completely uh uh you know overlooked the whole thing of the hunts i thought I thought maybe that like the, he and the fact that he encountered charming first before he sorry the fact that the the merchant slash woodsman encountered charming first uh before he and it seemed like it was a little bit after. Uh, Snow White decided that she was going to run to the port town of Longbourn or whatever it was. Um, I, I just I just didn't make the connection, and it's because I was busy taking notes and I was like, I, was, I wasn't thinking too hard, um, but yeah, I didn't make that connection right away.
0: Yeah, I, my I, personal I, thoughts I, towards I, this... I fully
1: own I fully own my stupidity here. I mean, you don't have to try. Don't soften the blow. <laughs>
0: I I don't, I, it's it's going to be a hard blow coming from a piece of metal as it is, especially if it's wielded by this woodcutter that you only until late realized who he was in terms of his connections to David. I, I'm just, again, I'm, I might be more sensitive to this than maybe some other people. I know there are some people that really enjoyed this storyline. People said this episode felt very old school and it was written by Jane Espenson, who I would argue is probably the best writer that they have on staff. She's penned several great episodes across the six seasons, but I, I'm just not a big fan of the trope of going back and retconning when these characters first met. And you've seen it across a variety of mediums. Uh, one of the most egregious examples for me is in The Simpsons. Uh, the classic story of Homer and Marge Simpson meeting was that they were in high school together, and you know they both got detention, and he fell in love with her, and mayhem ensued. Then in a later season episode, they completely retcon that and actually in a similar way to Snow and Charming say like oh they actually were each other's first kiss at summer camp when they were kids but they didn't know who the other person was because they didn't recognize each other. You can go to Boy Meets World, Cory and Topanga had that a little bit too. We're like halfway through the series they're like, "Oh yeah, she wasn't she was never a weirdo. They just, you know, they were soulmates ever since they were playing in the sandbox together." I'm not a fan of doing that and I agree with you. I found no reason to do this because if the woodcutter was going to be a character in Storybrook, he's not anymore because he's dead. We got to see a dog, which I was happy about, <laughs> but we didn't see anything about like David's father. We really got no new information out of this flashback other than this is when they met and they didn't realize it, and they created the sapling though we'll talk about the sapling i. Definitely called my shot when they even talked about the sapling. When they said like, "Oh, it's the biggest true love," I'm like, "Oh, it's got to be theirs. theirs is the one big true love that causes all this other magical stuff to happen on
1: Storybrooke." Even when they say, "Oh, when when the blue fairy," um, oh, no, sorry, when Regina casts the the locator spell, was it was it Regina or the blue fairy that 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 cast? But, the, well,
0: well, blue fairy, she, it's not a locator spell; yeah, it's a beacon. Sorry,
1: sorry the beacon. Um, uh, when she cast the beacon. Uh, and they say, oh, that's kind of, that looks like it went over to where, you know, we found you in the woods. I'm like, well, obviously, (laughs) I mean, in terms of that, that even didn't clue them in. Um, so yeah, I'll talk a little bit more about my thoughts on the, the, the sapling, uh, when we kind of get to the showdown in the cemetery.
0: Yeah, let's let the sampling uh, be able to grow a little bit in the podcast soil before we promptly unearth it. What did you think about when we were starting off with these flashbacks, these sort of dual tracks we were taking? I mean, I feel like we were doing two flashbacks in one, in that we follow Snow, who I guess if we're going across the grand timeline, she's not. She's on the run, but she's not You know, the badass Snow White that we see in Season 1 yet. I'm assuming that Regina would have probably just started sending out the guards against her she probably had just had her encounter with Graham, where he ended up letting her go so she's still trying to get her feet out from under her and david this is a post haircut post bow peep david thank but we see them both going to a place called longborn even though neither one will get there but until they converge around the woodcutter what do you think about having these two different tracks of story in the same episode
1: it felt very into the woods to me um, Very and uh, for for multiple reasons, not just the the the, the least the, of which the, is that the they they went into position and location they went to yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly um you know, cap, uh, lowercase i lowercase w um as well as capital capital uh and 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 again I think one of the reasons I like Into the Woods is the you know the mixing of uh, characters and stories um but here these you know these are characters obviously that, that share this a similar story um I was I actually. Uh, I kind of liked the the dual track approach i get I my my discontent comes more from the i I wanted to see more progression of the overall. Story of the season. Um, maybe I just need to pump my brakes a little bit, slow slow my roll, because we're going to get like again, not a, not an eleven episode story arc, but a twenty two one. So exactly,
0: I think, this- think, think think of a half season like a big stretch of highway where your speed limit's sixty five. Think of where we are now as like a residential area where your speed limit is like thirty five or forty.
1: I mean, I think I would have enjoyed it more if it. We've seen several shows kind of take on here's now here's the story from this person's point of view. I think X Files did it amazingly in their in their first run through. I think I can't remember if it was their their if it was bad blood or the, the one that kind of involved vampires where you see the story from Scully's point of view and then you see it from Mulder's point of view. Um, I think that would if they maybe kind of steered into that a little bit more. Um, yeah, we don't see them seeing each other, but it would have been interesting if uh, you know uh, yeah, you know Snow White sees this woodsman as this you know big hulking brute, but Charming sees him as this more normal person. But again. We don't really, we haven't been brought up to see that you know Snow White and Charming see the world in completely different ways, but I, I think it's so. I think it, it, I've seen it done better in other things, and I think there's other characters you could kind of do that to That it would be more fun with.
0: And I know that I said before, oh, we're never going to see the woodcutter again. But I know that there was thing that kind of perked my ears up a little bit when we first heard about him. That may mean he may make a return appearance in another flashback because. The woodcutter is apparently a werewolf hunter, so for a second I thought it was going to be uh, a Ruby cameo, even though, again, that would be yet another retcon meeting between Snow White and a character, because we've already seen Snow White meet Ruby, but I thought the connection was going to be there. It does not seem to be there for now.
1: Yeah, not for now. It was So it's—keep we could, we could... in mind, we could see him again in a flashbacker. I mean something something that that flashes back more than it did here. So, uh, you know, uh, do we do we see uh, more of him potentially? I don't I don't know. We'll 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 see how it goes.
0: Well, I'm we not. Speak-
1: I don't I don't need to personally.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, we can speak now more towards his, as you said, his more human aspects, where David and Will be go into the woods. And they're trying to essentially get money to help uh, keep the mom's farm afloat. Prince Farming is doing what he does best. Wilby finds a cup that belongs to what ends up being the Woodcutter's Wagon, did you get any, again, I know you didn't think that the man was the woodcutter, but did you get any sort of vibes from this guy who just happened to be like, hey, I happen to be going in the same exact direction as you. Why don't you get in my wagon?
1: <laughs> oh, it was, it was a windowless wagon, too, by the windowless
0: way. Windowless <laughs> wagon, exactly. I mean, I, I I don't know if the woodcutter's going around to every village with flyers having to announce <laughs> who he is before he shows up. <laughs>
1: I see what you did there. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, I I figured something was up, and we and the and it was one of those things where I kind of had in my notes. Whenever you meet somebody in you know the enchanted forest or in a storybook, immediately introduce yourself and demand to know the name of the other person. Because um, you know if that had happened on you know. Uh, the, the Nautilus so with Captain Nemo, then Hook would have found out much more uh, uh, much more earlier in the story that, that this other oh your name's Liam. Okay. You know, we're we're kind of battling giant squids or Krakens and, you know, tra- adventuring out of this ship together and we haven't even been properly introduced. Um, so I, I've said like, you know what? Yeah, definitely ask for names because part of me was like, okay, there's a wagon. I thought we were maybe going to get something about, uh, his father's death, even though his father had yeah. already been dead. Uh, but maybe some like follow up to that. Maybe like this wagon is actually his father's wagon. Or I, I, I was expecting some sort of, uh, uh, yeah house of cards twist here or maybe this is actually his father and he's still alive but he's in disguise but it's like there's no disguise there um so i i was expecting something was up just for the very fact that he never uh introduced himself um but it, as it turns out i was right that something was up but the introducing stuff didn't really matter his name could have been you know uh you know jason for and it would have made a difference he's still a <laughs> woodsman
0: yeah, absolutely. Uh, and the woodcutter, I guess, did have a disguise, though. We'll see at the end. He's Ooh, pulling yeah. off that disguise. When he first encounters Snow, he's wearing the mask, but he decides to just sort of take it off willy-nilly. Maybe, I don't want to take a page out of Seinfeld's book, but maybe everyone in the Enchanted Forest should be wearing name tags so that you know who everyone is.
1: Sometimes I feel like I need that. Um, but this one, this one, yeah, this one seemed pretty straightforward. So it's, I, it's, I don't know, I, I, I think my biggest... The thing I enjoyed the most about the flashback was probably Will Be the dog. And I'm wondering, we uh, Will Be seeing more of him, hopefully.
0: <laughs> <laughs> will be or will be not. I guess we will see. So we have Snow's track here, and it seems like she is a little less sure of herself, and she is contemplating running away. We have an appearance of the Blue Fairy, which sort of tipped me off like, oh, I bet we see Mother Superior at some point in Storybook because they're going to have Keegan Connor Tracy in this in, in on the set you might as well use her as much as you can but it was a, it was again very old school to have her appear as an aide to snow but it's very clear that snow is suffering from uh, her own personal deficiencies and she specifically brings up this brooch that she was trying to sell that it belonged in her family that her, his, her father had given her mother when her mother died he tried giving it to Regina so essentially she has seen the good and the bad that unrequited love or i guess uh uh, unlimited love can bring
1: right and it's and I, I was happy to see the the return of the blue fairy i think it's a i kind of like doc like, like dr hopper it's one of those uh old school characters uh, i think we've seen more of the blue fairy than dr hopper over the past couple of seasons she she seems to appear more uh in her mother superior role um uh, of late uh but so it was, it was nice to have her and, and apparently she can kind of kick some butt when it comes to fighting too she 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 did and,
0: did and a, in a like floor length poofy gown no less
1: low cut floor length poofy gown yes
0: <laughs> eyes up there Kurt. eyes up sorry there.
1: sorry i went blue fairy
0: <laughs> yes you want full bloom fairy so <laughs> uh, david Quickly realizes uh, if you take rides from strangers, you definitely should not drink with strangers, as it turns out that Woodcutter was trying to use, will be all along, to use his wannabe bloodhound sense to track down Snow White it seems like he does so very quickly because when David comes to, she's locked away. We had this one scene where she's like, "Oh, he's coming back. Please go." And David goes, "Kurt, did you think because it well, it'll be a few scenes before we come back. Do you think he actually left her behind and that could have been a reason for the misconnection?"
1: Uh no. Like he it it I uh, well I it's, it's one of those time, kind of time travel things where you realize they're not going to meet each other. So, it, you know, he it, it was I, I don't know. It was kind of strange. It, it had to be, kind of be fabricated because they couldn't meet. So I don't know it's it is what it is, Mike. It,
0: yeah, I mean, <laughs> it, it, we're it's not necessarily spoiler alert for Game of Thrones. It's not Bran seeing Jon Snow and Jojen telling him like, "No, you can't interfere. You have to move on." Snow kind of does that when later on in the timeline she's like, "Oh no, if you see me, then you're essentially going to make yourself a criminal." So out of sight, out of mind.
1: In oh, a way, uh, the it. I, I don't, that was, that seemed very artificial to me in terms of they had to come up with a reason for, for him to, I I see what you're saying by where she kind of fed that line to him. It seemed, it seemed less in character for him to leave than for her to say that. But I was just surprised that, you know, if you played that situation out nine times out of 10, they would have seen each other. So we just got that 10th time.
0: I should also point out, this week in gruesome Once Upon a Time deaths, David shanks the woodcutter with a blunt piece of wood.
1: (laughs) Maybe he thought he was a vampire.
0: (laughs) I guess so, yeah. The woodcutter, if he ever was a vampire, he definitely is dead now. Though, I mean, it would also be a little bit of mixed messages of having a vampire hunt werewolves.
1: Uh, But if he's also a woodcutter and stakes are his enemy, uh, then it makes sense there. (laughs)
0: Hey, keep your friends close, (laughs) keep your enemies closer, I guess. (laughs) So, yeah, we have this moment where... He hands her the key, we, and I know that we're going to talk about those, the sapling sort of uh, transcendent moments that will come up later, but when we saw this moment in those, those sapling flashes, I'm like, wait a minute, I don't remember that scene, and when it turns out to come true later on in this flashback, then it all makes sense, and I don't want to jump too far ahead, but I know Snow kind of hints at it, but they don't outwardly say in this episode, like, hey, we didn't realize that we met then, right?
1: I guess they didn't actually outwardly say that they. They both were like, "Wait a minute, you had that flashback too," but only I was there. It was kind of the the, the joint realization by both of them, and they, and at least they didn't necessarily. Uh, I, 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 maybe just in my mind, I filled in the blanks that they had the conversation. Yeah, but,
0: surprising <laughs> amount of subtlety from Once Upon a Time when, in the same episode, you have oh, it's in a sapling, a sapling, a baby tree.
1: Uh, the, it's. I'm also just surprised that – I mean it actually has – it makes you look at the concept of fate and destiny in a really interesting way because that's – yes, that's the first time they technically met and touched and then a sapling formed there um, even though they really don't form a – true bond until later it's almost as if the sapling was growing based on where they it knew that there was going to be something down the road i don't buy that the conversation they had you know in the through the uh the hole in the wall was careful uh was uh was full bloom fairy you're going full bloom fairy uh was i i don't i don't buy that that was like the the spark of of love happening there it was like maybe interest but so it it just seems like this is a a strange way for the sapling to form.
0: I can't wait to tell my kids one day where saplings come from. I can say, well, when a snow and a charming love each other very much, they touch hands without looking at each other, and a little rainbow effect comes shimmering down and lands in the ground, and that's where saplings come from. Oh, dear. Now go to bed. Speaking of going to bed, let's (laughs) jump to our story, Brooke. Main present storyline. And we'll sort of conflate the 12 hours to live threat and the prompt giving over of the hearts with everything Zelina and Gold because there's going to be a lot of stuff in here. But let's start with Snow's dream that very quickly becomes a reality when she's poofed in the middle of the forest and the evil queen taunts her about the uh, her 15th birthday party and the miniature horse that bowed down to her and to uh, put a nice period at the end of her giant run-on sentence of a plan. <laughs> she gives her a bottle of clear liquid, which I thought was nitroglycerin, but probably wouldn't in the magical world of Once Upon a Time, and says, you have 12 hours to figure it out. And suddenly just poofs her away, saying, "The whole town will be doomed if she doesn't do anything about it
1: okay uh, and you know what let granted that the evil queen is kind of a product of the Jekyll Hyde potion, and so she is wants to do the thing that evil villains are want to do. She has making this much more complicated. just state, hey, I'm going to poison the like the the heroes have to figure it out on their own what this water is and we can get to that later but the queen just needs to say i'm going to put the, this water from the river of lost souls into the water supply here in town if you don't do this and rather than like why make it into you know you have 12 hours to puzzle it out i mean it's a again like not to make an escape room reference but it's like uh this doesn't need to be a riddle um yeah, I, I and, and the it's evil, a really...
0: i think the evil queen just watched the benedict cumberbatch episode of snl and got to that one sketch about the riddles and she was just really encouraged by that
1: yeah perhaps it's so just tell them what you want but again uh villain's gonna vil so uh it, it, I, I can't, you know, she can't break character too much. So I can, I can understand, you know, villains are going to kind of draw it out like this. And I guess I have to accept that.
0: And as over the top as the pony story was, again, it felt very old school to me. I think. I love the Snow-Regina relationship that has really blossomed over the past couple seasons, but it makes you forget sometimes that in the first couple seasons, Regina slash Evil Queen hated Snow White with every dripping bit of passion. And so to see that be reignited, albeit very over-the-top, was fun to watch.
1: Were you expecting the story to kind of go, and then your father gave you the pony? And you didn't even ride it once or, you know, it, he did everything to bend over backwards to make you happy that one time. And you just completely just completely went unnoticed by you. But no, it was like yeah, And she loved the pony and the pony was great. And I, I didn't quite go where I thought it was going, which actually kind of was amusing to me. <laughs>
0: well because again and I know that Snow White has definitely shown her faults a little bit but she still is the fairest of them all and I think yeah. one of the running jokes with Regina's relationship with Snow is that she would essentially take everything she did and turn it into a negative like oh you donated to charity well you're just giving them safety in the world when they need to learn about the harsh reality <laughs>
1: what about the 100 charities that went hungry because you didn't donate to them because you gave yeah you know-
0: yeah, exactly. So that, therefore, you're you're screwing over a hundred charities and really supporting one and giving them inflated egos. You're the worst, Snow.
1: <laughs> oh, Regina. Oh, actually, no. Sorry. Oh, sorry, Evil Queen. Evil Queen.
0: Well, let's <laughs> let's stick with the Evil Queen here. She walks in on Zelina with Robin. There's a little bit of talk about, hey, is there something going on between you and Gold? She dissuades any sort of theories about it. We'll put a pin in that because things are going to get a really weird and confusing with that storyline over the next few scenes.
1: Yeah, this this is uh, – I, I kind of just have, I think, periodically through my notes, Zelina is unimpressed. Like, just in, in, throughout this episode. <laughs> what's, the name uh,
0: of the, what's the name of the gymnast?
1: Yeah, exactly. I was tra- I was trying to remember because I was thinking of those memes. And I was like, there's several points in here where I, – I did like Zelina's, um, you know, that, that the queen tells – uh, tells Zelina that her and Gold have this kind of give and take relationship, and Zelina's response is, Well, what did you give and what did he take? Um, yeah, what's so- this, what
0: was this episode rated? PG 13? TVMA?
1: Exactly. <laughs> um, so, again, it's it's kind of tall. We've talked in the past about Zelina really kind of having this almost dissociated, like everybody seems to be taking a side, and Zelina's only on the evil queen's side by default, but she's never actively. Uh, actively done something to aid and abet uh, an evil act by the queen. I mean, she even rele- she ends up even releasing Doctor Hopper so he can like babysit. Um, so you know, yeah, he he ends up you know turning into a cricket and gets released. But it that's just I think more for her and less for the evil queen. Um, so it, I just I, I feel really that that Zelina is Switzerland in this situation and just kind of like yeah, whatever.
0: <laughs> yeah, it feels like to me. That Zelina is sort of like in the mob movies. She's like running the restaurant that the mob boss is operating out of the back room of where she's going to like put Artie? her head down. <laughs> she doesn't really care about what's what they're doing. She's just is a, like, okay, you just get to stay out of my business and I'll be completely fine with letting you do yours. Exactly. So the heroes ruminate over this mysterious bottle. We see that Emma savior spasms are back once again, even uh, post-Cinderella, she is still a little freaked out. And it's interesting because I think at the beginning we were saying, oh, the savior spasms must lead to, you know, degradation. Maybe, you know, she's getting her own, I don't know, savior version of Alzheimer's. But it seems like now, after her visits with Dr. Hopper specifically, Emma's spasms are more so now psychological than they are magical.
1: Yeah. And, and, and by the way, this is um, everybody looking at the bottle part one. <laughs>
0: Yes, there are many <laughs> chapters in this series until finally somebody – well, actually, something is done with the bottle here. Uh, poor tree. Hopefully, that was not dopey. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, he's off at college at this point. Imagine if it
1: was. <laughs> that's that's kind of – oops. We were keeping him safe in Granny's, like, outdoor cafe, which answered my question from last week about what cafe this was. This was definitely uh, the same one. Um Yeah, let's let's put Dopey here. He'll be safe until we get a bottle of the uh, water from the River of Lost Souls. Did you expect that we were going to be revisiting any elements of Underbrook, uh, specifically the uh, River of Lost Souls in this season?
0: Oh, God, no. You would (laughs) think that, oh, the River of Lost Souls was interesting because it was like a final... Super duper death method, right? We didn't see, uh, we have we didn't Rumples X has not come back, Gaston has not come back, and M has not come back. They're all presumably trapped in the river of lost souls. Once upon a time, sometimes when you die, you happen to come back. This would be a way to make sure that you never do, but I feel like there are also methods in the once upon a time surface world that would do that as well. So I don't know if I necessarily, I mean, I guess I'd rather have this then let's create an entirely new magical prop to use for this episode and this episode yeah. only. But yeah, what a weird callback.
1: Yeah, and I, I did like Hook's comment that, you know, that's why I don't trust water. Rum would never do this, and I agree with him oh, 100%. Lo- that, that, was a, that was
0: a fun. <laughs> after, a, after a weird Hook episode last episode, uh, I love that little aside from Hook about how he's trusted Rum over water any day of the
1: week. Exactly. I, I, team Hook on that one.
0: So the heroes pretty quickly figure out that oh it's River from the water from the River of Lost Souls. Therefore Gold must be working with her. There's a lot these characters are for all the talk that we do in other episodes about how these characters are acting pretty stupidly. Everyone is like whip smart this episode.
1: Well, I wouldn't necessarily I think we've talked in the past about they do <laughs> I'm not going to go so far as to call them whip-smart. I'm not giving them that. Um, as much as we've seen many times that they make strange leaps of logic that end up it being correct. Um, <laughs> I, th- I, I think th- this might be one of those ones where the dots connect uh, a little bit more nicely than they usually do. Um, but I'm, I'm not going to go with uh, hashtag whip-smart on this one. But they, <laughs> yes. they, they, get to, they get to the right place. They get to the, the right place. The Once Upon a Time characters
0: are a uh, fervent players of the jump-to-conclusions mat game from office
1: space yes and they, and they and they and they're often lucky in that they stick the landing
0: <laughs> so i will admit I, again while this did necessarily result in nothing happening i was interested by snow white's kind of inner conundrum oh. with essentially saying <laughs> I, it sounds like you were not but this <laughs> take idea me, that, yeah, take
1: me through it because i i had to listen to this like three times to try to figure out what she was indeed kind of arriving at and what her uh, uh I don't know if epiphany is the right word, but what her conclusion was. So take take me through your, your thinking on it.
0: Well, I think it was just a matter of... Again, you can speak on it on two levels. I think on the meta level, you think there is no way that they're killing these characters off. So so much so that even when they walk forward and, and Evil Queen takes their hearts, you say, okay, there's no way they're going to do this. They are two main characters. It's not near the end of the season. It's not near sweeps. There's, been, not no, doing there's the- been
1: no buzz about it.
0: <laughs> exactly. They're not going to do this at all. And But if you look at it from the character perspective, I think it's interesting, you know, Snow in this scene says, like, oh, the evil queen has finally cornered me. And if you look at it from her perspective, where she has always felt like, oh, I can always escape, and she in this moment feels a genuine sense of danger that, oh, they really caught me. She's essentially saying, you know, it's the needs of the many versus the needs of the few. Do you sacrifice yourself in order to benefit your daughter and the rest of your family? I think that's an interesting... Interesting choice. I mean, I think 9 out of 10 people would probably have done what they did, but I think if you take away the meta aspects of it, of let's imagine that this is like the second to last episode of the season, so there actually might be a chance that they kill off these characters. I think what they were doing here is at least somewhat interesting.
1: What threw me more, I think, other than where she landed with that, I agree, that was... I I had more issue with the whole, like, you know, what if this all is the path that leads to Emma's death and leads to her vision? Like, I was confused by everything leading up to where she got. Yeah,
0: the the, the Emma argument made no sense for me. I think think you just stick to a simpler path and you say, okay— do I essentially offer my own death, have this woman get the revenge she has desired for so many years in exchange for saving all the people that I love? And again, it might be an easy decision just because of the sheer magnanimity of it, but I think that's definitely a more interesting path to take than saying like, but if I do this, am I just being a means to an end of Emma getting stabbed by someone under a hood who may or may not be another version of her?
1: Here's here's what the solution is. You get into the town square with a megaphone. Attention, people of Storybrooke. Do not drink any water for the foreseeable future that is not bottled water. And you're done. She was just going to poison the water with the river water from the River of Lost Souls. Like, just tell everybody, don't drink the water. Solution.
0: Well, did she say she was going to? I mean, and I say well because the well might have been a part of it, too. Let's remember that when at the end of season 1 when gold brews that curse that eliminates magic from the town for a little bit he poured it in the well and that smoke came pouring out throughout all, all, all of town do you think there's a chance that evil queen could have done that and so they didn't even need to drink the water just the the pure essence of the river of lost souls would have permeated the entire town instead i think that's a
1: stretch i, I we we were not there, there's nothing that we were told that led me to believe that what that she was going to basically you know you know, throw the river of lost souls into a vaporizer and then basically gas the whole town. I mean, I think I, it, I got the very strong impression she was going to poison the water of the town, and 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 not, as opposed to um, basically bring a river of lost souls curse upon the entire town. Uh, I, I I just I just don't buy it. Based on what we saw, I'm not buying it. Uh, much more simple solution than them sacrificing themselves.
0: Well, let's move on to a subject that I'm sure you're less sore about. <laughs> Looking at the bottle part, part two, two featuring Belle.
1: <laughs> exactly. There was, it was so fun last time. Let's invite somebody else to the bottle watching party.
0: <laughs> no, actually two special guests. She leaves oh, and then yeah. Blue comes in.
1: Yeah, it's, again, it's it's one of those improv games. You can only have so many people on the stage. It was like she came, she left, so Bell, so Blue had to come in.
0: Yeah, and I still don't understand because Belle's going to have a track that's completely separate from the rest of the characters this episode. But she sort of is in this episode, I guess, to get tied back to the main story. But she essentially tells her, like, yeah, I can't do anything. Bye.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, it's like they really quick, as as whip-smart as we they were in this episode, they really quickly narrowed their options to the options that the queen gave them. Either you give up your hearts or I poison the town. There was never any talk of, you know... Let's, you know, let's figure out where the queen's got this water, like what's the water source and can we negate or can we can we steal it or can we, you know, destroy it somewhere or or something. It was always those two options. Like, isn't there a way to like kind of bring the battle to the queen as opposed to simply uh, taking the 12 hours to agonize over which of these two decisions we make? It's not a yes. choose-your-own choose adventure book where you get one. You can either turn to page 52 or page 65. There's many more options, and you guys are much more creative than that. Come on.
0: What if they took the bottle and like threw it over the town line? Because I, don't, I, I still don't know. I can't remember if the, uh, this, the magical barrier is still up. But it's like when you were talking about that, I was thinking about the scene in The Dark Knight with the two ferry boats, and you have the detonator for the other boat, and that one guy just throws the detonator out the window. Sometimes the easiest choice you have to make is no choice. So that that could have been interesting if they decided to go that route.
1: We haven't actually seen anybody leave town. The closest that we had, I guess, the mo- the closest evidence we have is a. We don't know how far offshore the Nautilus went, and b. Uh, you know, did technically did Emma cross the town line when she was showing Aladdin the uh, car re- where she hit the Storybrooke sign? Was that mm. technically crossing the town line by just a matter of feet when she was showing him that? Um, not completely sure. Yeah. So. My guess is that yeah. because there's no currently no overarching curse on the town that they could leave if they wanted to. I mean, Dopey went off to grad school.
0: That's true. He seemed to be fine. Unless, again, Storybrook is showing its ever-expanding uh, land mass, and there's a college in there as well.
1: SCC, Storybrook Community College.
0: But then why <laughs> would anyone want to work at Mary Margaret's high school?
1: Well, you have a limited number. There's probably maybe double, doing double duty. I mean, yeah, That's true. I don't
0: know. Yeah, teachers get paid crap, so they probably have to double up on teaching in multiple schools. So let's talk a little bit about this sapling. I know we spoke about it at the beginning of the podcast and a bit with the flashbacks, but this idea that there is this piece of magic, it's sort of a MacGuffin in that it's a, Blue thinks it's one of the only things that can really trap Evil Queen. It uh, was started to grow as a, from a spark from the first true love, which we have already spoken about and given our thoughts on. Uh, so there's a possibility that this sapling could be in Storybrook, but the problem comes with none of them know where it is. Obviously, the sapling does not own anything, so a locator spell would not work. They can set up a beacon, but then the other guys are going to know what's going on as well, unless they're distracted.
1: Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I, I did like the introduction of the beacon spell and kind of the little twist that... And, and, you know, it makes sense because it's a beacon spell that it's like we can't we're not the only people who are going to be able to see it just an FYI. So I did kind of like the internal logic there we got from that specific uh, new bit of magic that was introduced.
0: Yeah, I like it as well. And again, it means that we we don't keep going back to the well, uh, for lack of a better term, yeah. with the locator spells or other random bits of magic. I'd be interested to see. The beacon otherwise, and because I also like the inherent disadvantage in that it's not just your party that can see it. Everyone else does. The timing of the plan is a little awkward as well, because we're about to get to them laying out Regina's part of the plan with duping Zelina and the evil queen. But why did they choose to send up the beacon in terms of if we're, if we're running that things are going, you know, in the same timeline in chronological order? Why did they wait so long to set up the beacon? <laughs>
1: Um, I, I'm not entirely sure. It's, um, uh, I, I guess we just needed to get the other stories. Out. I, I'm, I'm not entirely sure, Mike. That's a good question. I got no answer for you.
0: I mean, I don't know if they had to have lunch first. I mean, it is a, it's very important that they all have good diet regimens, considering how much running around they do, but I don't want to bury the lead too much here, Kurt. Let's talk about Zelina coitus interruptus.
1: Well, I think that's maybe a bit of a strong uh, characterization of what was going on. It was just like a kind of... Heavy uh, petting. Heavy petting. Um, you, know, uh, you know, catching the runner out at third rather than getting them getting a home run. Um, uh, yeah, this, this was actually... This whole storyline was the part of the episode I enjoyed the most, and not because of what was going on, but in terms of... I, I thought it was kind of... Interesting to finally see a little bit of a fly in the ointment in terms of the relationship between Zelina and the Evil Queen. And regardless of you know, how quickly they figured out that this was something that was cooked up by Regina, there was really uh, you know, everything that Zelina finds out is true, even though she was kind of manipulated into finding it out. And I think she realizes that.
0: Yeah, I just have a couple of questions from this. I mean, first, the question I have to ask you, I mean, we talk about CGI, good or bad, all the time on Once Upon a Time. Thoughts on the raven that apparently delivered that letter to Zelina? Uh,
1: You know, I didn't actually... It was on. It was on the screen so briefly. I didn't notice it from a CGI perspective.
0: Oh man, it was bad. It was, it was bad. like it was like Pete's dragon, not the remake, but like the 1970s version of fakery. I, I encourage you to go back and watch it for those two seconds.
1: Did you see the strings attached to it? Was it even? Was it like you know practical effect? Um, uh, uh,
0: I, I saw the I saw the actor uh, take off the raven head and smoke a cigarette.
1: For some reason, I associate ravens a little bit more with Maleficent. For some reason, I'm thinking that she had commanded some ravens. I mean, maybe not in the uh, in the Once Upon a Time universe, but in terms of the um, uh, just the the classic storyline from from Sleeping Beauty. I seem to remember some some ravens being associated with her as some 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 uh, pets that she controlled. Um, ooh, maybe
0: uh, maybe the raven is Lily. Uh,
1: um, not entertaining that. Um, but this also made me think. Ooh, ooh. Uh, 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 Land of Untold Stories, you could potentially get some uh, Edgar Allan Poe stuff worked in here. This would be really cool. To just, I, I don't think it would necessarily fit with the tone well, uh, but I'm always on the lookout for additional things that could be uh, brewing in the Land of Untold Stories. So.
0: And I, I, we kind of danced around it, but this is probably the, one of the first episodes of the season to not deal with anything affiliated with the Land of Untold Stories now that Jekyll and Hyde are both dead, which, again, felt a little strange in the context of the season, but again, it goes back to these old-school Roots in that were just as focused on the main ensemble and nobody else.
1: Yeah, we didn't even see any Aladdin or Jasmine, did we?
0: Nope, not at all. They went to go, they went off to, to go have their own. And we'll, we'll get an Aladdin and Jasmine question later on, which I think is an interesting theory. But yeah, surprisingly, they, Emma seemed to put them back together and they just kind of went off on their way for now. But I, I don't want to get besides the point here of this Zelina Gold and Evil Queen stuff. I'm just confused as to why Zelina's turning green. Why is she jealous? I know she she flirted with Gold and tried to coerce no. him into essentially being her concubine in season three, but is it more of like a is it more of like a principal thing than it is the actual person?
1: She's jealous of the time that Gold is stealing from uh, her time with the Queen. She's jealous of really? the Queen. Yeah, yeah. I think I, my my sorry, maybe I'm interpreting that wrong. My impression was that. Um, you know, she's finally got a relationship with a sister that she kind of had hoped to have with Regina, and now Regina's lying about you know uh, being like not spending time with her and her time with Gold. I almost got the more the impression that Regina was that sorry that Zelena was more jealous of uh, the, the Queen's time as her sister being taken away from her than anything at all with Gold. There's more just about the, the the fact that that the Queen has a, is having a much stronger relationship with somebody other than her own sister.
0: Okay, so it's less about you're dating my man and more so about you're dating my sister.
1: Yeah, you're taking me time away from my sister. Anybody who's watching, you know, this season of uh The Real World can probably get that.
0: Yes, <laughs> lots of bad blood between Zelina and Evil Queen at this point.
1: Yes. Good 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 <laughs> yeah. one.
0: All right, so I guess that makes it up a little bit for me. I was just confused, but I don't I feel like even if that's the case, it doesn't make up for that that cringeworthy line about Zelina saying, "You know, there's, they said, why don't we go b- back to some place more comfortable?" She says, "Oh yeah, how about a bed of lies?" <laughs> perfect that line. Was,
1: uh, perfect line to storm off to.
0: <laughs> yeah, S- Jane Espenson, I love you. I talked you up previously on this podcast and many others, but uh, not one of your best. There, not one of your best. <laughs> it's It's fun, <laughs> but it's like that's it was it was full
1: soap it was, opera it was full yeah, soap opera I
0: was about to say it's definitely there are many soapy elements of once upon a time, especially as of late, and that was that this whole thing is definitely one of them but Let's talk about what our heroes are doing. They follow the beacon to the riverbed, which, as you mentioned before, hey, hashtag TBT, this is where I found Charming when he washed up on shore. And they happen to find a trapdoor is around there as well. Hmm, I wonder what that might be linked to. But let's talk about this one m n and Hook scene here, where Hook is trying to comfort Emma, who, again, is sort of going through the savior spasms. We sort of glossed over the point that the heroes are going to try to attempt to trap the evil queen in the crypt. Uh, and so they're sort of cleaning it out of any magical objects so that she won't be able to get her hands on them. But this is the perfect time for them to kind of have a heart to heart where hook is going to essentially kind of give Emma a nice nudge on the chin and say that she can do it.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, uh, Jessica Frey asked on Twitter if, if we were going to have a, uh, a regular segment devoted to a story time with, with hook. Um, I, I think, I think he needs to work on his delivery a little bit. Um, but, um, but yeah, this was, this was a, a strange moment in the crypt, but nothing but strange moments happened in the crypt. So
0: that's very true. And yeah, God only knows they might've gone full Robin and Regina afterwards.
1: Yeah, exactly. But question is Emma the sapling? I, I, I just had this in all caps in my notes, Mike, and I don't know what I meant by that. So I thought maybe you could clear that
0: No, up. <laughs> I know. I think it's, it's, it's an interesting idea because now that the sapling we're about to talk about, Evil Queen appearing and essentially sapping the, uh, cracking the sapling in half and sapping it of all its energy, you have to wonder. Oh no, that thing's gone. They can never resurrect it. But the sapling and Emma are both products, products of, true, of true, love, true love. technically.
1: Yep. Maybe that, I think that's what I must yeah. have must have meant because I said cause I think right before that I say true love can break any curse. You can overcome anything. Are we trying to? Uh, it, it was the sapling does it exist in multiple forms is it, I guess then neil would be the sapling uh unless like their love is diminished um you know second child syndrome
0: yeah. second child uh, the, the, it's the second child's worst dream come true that their older sibling gets some more of the attention exactly
1: and, and this and this is and um yeah so we'll, we'll see uh we'll, we'll see if there's any more reference to the sapling moving forward
0: and that'd be interesting because, again, Emma would become yet another savior that now she's essentially in charge of, you know, helping to save her parents as well, which would either help or hurt her, considering that she's kind of teetering on the edge right now of insanity with being burdened with all of this savior stuff. Savior stuff. So we talked about this a little bit, but do you have any more thoughts about the actual finding of the sapling in the cave and the Evil Queen subsequently breaking it?
1: I, I kind of do uh in terms of you know we she she takes it and i'm not sure if we were meant to believe that broken in half it then kind of crumbled into dust or ash or if that was something that she had done to it i i'm leaning a little bit more towards the former um that it just kind of had had died um it really didn't end up having any role other than to re- basically remind them of you know how much you know, true love they had. I think I refer, we were chatting by text and I think I referred to the sapling must have had a hallucinogenic contact poison that caused them to have a shared flashback which reminded them of how much they actually loved each other and that's going to get us to just, you know, let's move forward and and just, you know, give our hearts to the queen. Um unless it's one of those things where true love can never die, so the sapling can never die, and whether it lives on an Emma, or um, I I would actually be a little bit more okay with this episode if we actually see a return of the sapling uh, in some form or another, and kind of hinting that, you know, the queen can't destroy the sapling as easily as she thought she could, and if it ends up actually kind of having a bigger role in some way, then if this was kind of all a setup for something more, versus simply, and it ends just so they can basically hand their hearts over, then I think that could be interesting. So I'm hoping that there's a little bit more with the sapling than was just seen on the show.
0: It is interesting that when Charming and Snow grab the sapling, again, they're going to go through those, as you just mentioned, hallucinogenic properties where they essentially see their entire lives before them. But they don't take that as a hint that they might be directly affiliated with the sapling. They just thought it happened to be one of the sapling's powers that, hey, if you happen to touch that with your one true love, you get to see everything that you two did together.
1: Exactly. So it's – it it. I, that's why I just – they talk about this as a really powerful item. I just have a hard time believing that it can be destroyed simply by snapping it in half.
0: Yeah, it definitely will not. I mean, hell, we got two episodes out of the Olympian Crystal. I'm sure we're going to get <laughs> at least two episodes out of the sapling.
1: We got a lot more episodes of the Olympian Crystal in Survivor than we did in uh, Once Upon a Time.
0: <laughs> yeah, we got nearly 14 episodes of her, or 15 if you count a recap. There you go. So, Snow is once again trying to figure out what to do. she's looking over uh the crib, but not the baby, and that's another thing that you know might have been a little bit of a, a thorn in her side is that if I do sacrifice myself, hey, I do have a kid here who remember that whole storyline where I had to get back from the underworld early in order to take care of my son. <laughs> that would suck to leave him again
1: exactly that that was That was a fun one. <laughs>
0: Yeah, but David's there to comfort her, and this is where he brings up the words uh, that they heard, knowing you believe in me means I'm not alone, and that's when Snow, again, started to put the pieces together of, wait a minute, you were there when I said that, but again, she doesn't make it that explicit, because they need to run off to the middle of the cemetery, because it is almost time for the deadline to expire, and for us to find out whether or not the town will drink the water.
1: Yeah, and that's good. The whole, you know, having someone believe in you means you're never alone. Kind of a callback to the whole all, someone will always believe in you from the Aladdin-Jasmine storyline.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And again, if we're going to Into the Woods, no one is alone. It seems to be a prevalent yeah. theme.
1: Yeah, minus the scarab. The, 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 the scar- <laughs> yes. scarab is less than sapling.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. If we're breaking our uh, our s our uh, magical objects that begin with S. That's the power rankings that we have going right now. So let's talk about this showdown that happens. First, we get this little, like, aside where... Zelina kind of taunts Belle. I know that we talked about at the end of... Was it episode four or five? I think it was five when Belle goes to drop off the ultrasound. And we almost thought she was going to walk in on Gold and Evil Queen. And they skirted it for a couple episodes. But now this is coming back to the light. But we'll put a pause in that for now as Snow and Charming show up. They decide to willingly sacrifice themselves. She takes their hearts... She monologues, she puts them back in their chests and sends them on their way. And by that, I mean putting Snow under a sleeping curse and then poofing her away.
1: Right. And were you also under the impression that, okay, so uh, the episode will proceed with, uh, I, I was I was hoping like Charming is going to have to like travel through these different worlds and find out like where is she being held and uh, not so much. <laughs> he he finds her pretty easily, actually.
0: Yeah, there's this weird scene that's the last scene of the of the episode where he like goes back to the loft, then realizes <laughs> they should go to where she woke up. It's like why did you go back to the loft at first? He she wasn't gonna poof her there. She's not that convenient.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's like, did you really think the evil queen was just gonna uh you know, send her back to, to you know loft loft shade charming, uh and then like you know, have her like kind of, you know, in bed or you know, I, I don't know. Um, I, I was surprised. But I guess, you know, it's uh, how stupid would he have felt if that had literally been like he hadn't checked that place for the gone back to the loft for 24 hours. And that's exactly where she was. So, you know, at least take check. Make sure you check the obvious place first, just in case. I, I guess I can't exactly. fault him too much.
0: Well, give me your thoughts about obviously we'll find out later on what Regina did to their hearts. But when you first saw her. Grab their hearts, say, oh, I've dreamt about doing this from, you know, the time that you got Daniel killed. And then she thinks about it and then puts it back in their chest. Did you get blue fairy balls? Because I certainly did for the next, like, five (laughs) minutes.
1: The part where she takes like, oh, oh one of them is going to die. And I mean, obviously not thinking, you know, there was, there was, this, this is like, again, you know, just seven episodes in or whatever. And they, they haven't built up that a major character is going to die or anything. Not thinking oh, that's obviously not going to happen. Um, I figure my thinking, uh, was cause I, I knew that there was like a little bit of a, a, a blackened blemish on Snow White's heart, just from the, some of the things that she had done. Um, I thought maybe there were going to be, you know, shades of the whole, a frozen timeline where the the mirror gets shattered and everybody is uh, the spell of shattered sight was it? Um, yes. The, and, the
0: one episode of spell of shattered sight <laughs> that we got.
1: I thought maybe we were going to get a little bit more of that where they just she had cast a spell where they just didn't love each other anymore, and I thought that would have been the most devastating. And so I thought maybe that's where we we're going to go where they were both going to we were going to see like charming douche and snow douche or or something like that. Um. So I wasn't. Oh, you mean quite... James is back? I thought, yeah, maybe James would be back. Exactly. Um, so I wasn't quite sure where this was leading. And then the whole vanishing thing. I was like, oh, so this is going to be like, you know, periodically through the season. And we're going to see charming questing to find Snow White. Uh, not so much.
0: No. That, again, that'll get immediately solved. Though They'll have another wrinkle that they're going to have to iron out that we'll get to. But first let's tie up the gold evil queen bell drama for now. So Belle comes in and has this big confrontation with Gold, which, again, I was happy about. I'm Belle might be my MVP of the season right now because she is just giving it to him, and I absolutely love it. Earlier on in the episode, I was a little trepidatious because she's like, Oh, you know, it stinks that Gold gave the river water to the evil queen. You know, he's a he's a he's not a bad man, and I'm like, you do not go back to him, girl. You stay away from him. He's a bad man, and she really <laughs> read him the riot act once again. This scene,
1: yeah, and interesting. Not so much for like him hooking up with you know, the evil queen, but more from the fact that. He had the shears and basically it seems like Zelina told him that he had the shears and his plan was to sever, uh, you know, her unborn son's fate so that they could potentially have a relationship or, you know, and uh, and then reading given the right act on that. I thought that was really, really powerful. I like it. I liked I liked the whole bell gold queen Zelina uh uh you know mix and match storyline that was like the 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 part of this episode that I did enjoy
0: I just don't understand again, maybe it's just the mixed up emotions that gold has upon being rejected by his wife, but you know evil queen made it very clear clear that she was hooking she wasn't going after him for his looks or his sex appeal she was going after him for you know what he has in terms of possessions but you would think that they wouldn't hook up past that one time, but he seemed to be keep going for it, or at least we would have seen a, seen a scene of him adamantly refusing it, right? I'm confused about his motives here as well.
1: Yeah, he seemed just as into it as the Queen. Um so which again doesn't make
0: sense because as we mentioned before there was never even though they say earlier on like well you know there was were a couple times where you know you really felt it we saw no chemistry between the two of them Rumple was having an affair with Regina's mom Like, that's, that just, we never saw it before, so it doesn't make sense from his character perspective for him to be like, okay, now if I couldn't get the mother or the sister, let me get the daughter.
1: Yeah, like, back in the Enchanted Forest, you know, Gold had, you know, was going, you you know, full crocodile in terms of how he looked. He wasn't as, you know, debonair and charming necessarily as he, you know charming uh he wasn't as, as debonair as as he necessarily is in storybrook so there were, i can understand that there are not there wasn't really any kind of uh, interest there but even yeah when regina was uh back in full evil mode in in the first season in, in the storybrook scenes there was no, no kind of connection really between her and, and mr gold uh at that point either so
0: any ramifications you could think of where gold in his last bit in this scene, just sort of curses Zelina's name. Do you think he was sort of in a loose alliance with the two of them earlier on in this episode, but do you think there's a chance that he might now go rogue once more and turn on the sisters?
1: I don't know. He doesn't seem vindictive from that perspective. I think he's like, it's not like anything that, that they said was false or that Zelina said wasn't going on. Um, so I, I don't necessarily see him – I could potentially see him breaking ties with the evil queen. I don't necessarily see him um, being vindictive against Zelina because she had talked to Belle. I, uh, it, it was more of like a Newman moment uh, <laughs> yeah. from, from Seinfeld in terms of you know, what Gold, I think, was thinking towards Zelina. And maybe it's more, he'll be more cautious around her down the road, but I don't see him being vindictive toward her.
0: All right, let's talk about this final scene slash twist. And we alluded to it earlier, but in record time, Charming's able to find Snow. She's in a glass case of emotion like she was in the Enchanted Forest. We actually get flashes between the two scenes where he once again kisses her to wake up. It seems like everything's fine until he collapses. And it turns out that the evil queen put a spell on, let's remember we brought this up in the last episode that they share a heart because David sacrificed himself to make the second curse happen, so they could all come back to Storybrooke in season three. And as a result, the Evil Queen put a curse on their shared heart, where one of them has to be under a sleeping curse at all times. So if David kiss, if David's awake and David kisses Snow, David falls asleep, and now Snow's awake, and vice versa. So as Snow reflects, they can never be together.
1: Very Ladyhawk. Check it out, kids. Yeah, <laughs> um, My notes, I was like, this seems to actually suck less than the previous cur- Sleeping Curses that we've seen.
0: Oh Yeah, I mean, uh, well, who knows? <laughs> I, are they back in the fire room of Purgatory?
1: Um. Oh, I hadn't thought about that. I didn't get necessarily... Well, I don't know. We didn't really get a lot of, you know you know exposition or i guess the the opposite of exposition from when when snow white woke up it's not like we got a full debrief on like what her experience was there. you won't believe what just happened to me yeah, exactly but i mean this at least, like in the previous sleeping curses the person's like away from everybody here you're just really kind of you know lost on your one true love and i'm thinking like they can work around this like you can make videotapes yes. talking to the other person oh, like, and for, like fifty first dates exactly Um, so, uh, just, you know, I, this is where in my notes, I said, this doesn't really suck so bad.
0: (laughs) Well, and here's the thing as well. As we remember from the end of the first season, true love doesn't necessarily mean lovers. Can't Emma and or Henry kiss these guys and wake them up as well? And since they don't have their heart, they wouldn't fall asleep.
1: Um, let's see. Because remember Emma's uh, Emma the one Emma to, K- Emma's Emma kissed Henry. Henry
0: after the turnover.
1: Um, is it? But like the love of a mother for a child stronger than the love of a child for a mother? So I mean, it's wondering. I <laughs> I know. I I don't know. Um, and I I don't. And you know, Regina technically was her uh, yeah stepmother. Um, so it's just I don't know. I I think that they'll find ways to say oh th- I wouldn't be surprised if somebody floats that that there'll be a reason why that won't work. Yeah, I
0: I'm sure they're going sure to bring it up like four minutes into the next episode and then completely write a reason as to why that won't be the case.
1: Right. I we're, I, I just think they're going to get... Uh, they're potentially going to get new a heart transplant.
0: <laughs> oh, Bob Newhart's going to make an appearance on Once Upon a Time. <laughs> exactly. So what do you think the ramifications are going to be of this? One major thing that was surprisingly not talked about this episode but was still connected to David is this whole search for his father's true murderer... With his wife kind of, for lack of a better term, out of the picture for hours at a time, do you think there's a chance we get more of Detective David here?
1: No, because I think as long as this curse is plaguing them, his investigative skills are going to be focused on finding a way to break it and then document what he's found so that Snow White can continue the investigation when she's awake. Um, So I I don't—I actually see this—unless it's it's something— that's just explored as having happened in a flashback where we as viewers get to see what really happened to his father. I don't see him investigating things being his main focus right now, unless it's somehow tied that um, your father's, you know, your, the death of his father is somehow tied to a means by which he can remove the curse on their hearts. That's the only way I see both things being tackled.
0: So you think this is the the first few episodes, David's storyline has now been put on the extreme back burner. And again, this might be the advantage of a 22 episode long-term story arc is that it may come up in the last few episodes only.
1: Or, well, I think that, that's a good question is like looking ahead is, you know, how much of everybody's focus now is in removing this curse from the, uh, literally the heart and soul of the, uh, kind of the storyline. I mean, they're kind of at the center of everything, as diminished a role as they've had. Um, they're, they're they are kind of the uh, VIPs, maybe not the MVPs, but they are the VIPs of Storybrooke. Um, so I I just I could definitely see that at least for you know, do we project out three, four, five, two uh, episodes? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, focused on them. You know, breaking this curse. I mean, really, what other threats are there now? Um I mean yes there's always going to be a a side flash to what's going on with Jasmine and Aladdin. Um there might be a uh but are they going to focus the resources on getting rid of the evil queen or are they going to focus the resources on fixing this curse? I mean technically I mean like I said the curse isn't really that Bad in terms of it's not like you're. I mean, it's bad. It's
0: more it's more inconvenient than it is yeah. really like a big burden.
1: Yeah, like it, the only people who really lose out here are Charming and Snow. Versus if if Snow was completely unconscious and the kiss didn't wake her, then everybody's missing out on this relationship with Snow White. Right now, it's just Charming that is, and yes, that's bad. I get that. But in terms of where they is the, is breaking that curse going to be a priority for everybody, or is getting the rid of the evil queen going to be more of a priority? I, I think that remains to be seen. I was initially thinking everybody. We focus on breaking the curse, but really it's not like she's in any danger and get unless, like you said, they're in that burning room while they're asleep or they slowly are going crazy uh, during their their time uh, while unconscious. So um, I'm just kind of curious, like what the real pressing issue is because we've got no threats from jekyll and hyde uh the the queen seems i think it'll be interesting to see what the queen has next uh, up her sleeve uh like, i don't think she's gonna necessarily just be satisfied with having you know sought got gotten her revenge on on snow white and charming um so yeah I mean, i'm just kind of curious I, I could definitely see this playing out for three or four episodes the the, the quest to remove the curse
0: i think that this curse brings an interesting sort of immediacy to it and i do agree with you as to i don't know where the heroes are going to have their preferences lie but i feel like that's the evil queen's point now we have to go back and wonder okay why did she do this there is definitely an inherent advantage in that she wants to see snow white suffer this is definitely one way to do it But let's go back to, again, what she she taunted Emma with in Episode 2 of, you know, I'm not going to defeat you. I'm going to make you guys defeat yourselves. She's trying to always create these cracks within this group. Could this be one way to do it? And having them focus so much on breaking this curse and bringing the Charmings back together, they might put themselves blind to everything else that she's doing around them.
1: Yeah, potentially. I just almost got the sense that she's like, okay, I've tried to take out Emma a couple times, um, but you know what? I need to really refocus on what's important to me. I need to focus. Uh, I need. I need to focus on me as the Evil Queen, um, and really, let's get back to basics. What is it I've wanted? What? Why did I stop pursuing that? Oh yeah, I really just wanted to ruin Snow White, and f- and she, f- at least, currently has done that. The question is, is that enough for her? Does, does she? Does she want more vengeance on other people now? Because um, keep in mind, the yeah, she that was central to. The uh, Snow White and, and Charming were central to her story, but in the Enchanted Forest, all these stories interacted. So there's potential that she would want to uh, uh, cause havoc elsewhere. Um, if Gold is no longer interested in her and she finds out Zelina had said something, is there going to be a rift between Zelina and the Evil Queen? Um, do, is there potential for Zelina to actually be the person who discovers the cure for Snow White and Prince Charming? Um, I don't So there's lots of different ways it can go it just seems to me that the the main focus is probably going to be on breaking the curse
0: yeah which again long game we still have 15 episodes left yeah. in this season you know if yeah. this was a regular season or not if this was a half season of once upon a time we'd say oh we're almost done we're almost out of the woods what are they going to do now? But since they have a lot more turf to play on, we might see this happening. They might, they might get out of it in a couple of episodes. They might get out of it in like seven or eight episodes. It's really the Wild West out there in that we really don't know exactly what they're going to do, which makes things both exciting and aggravating at the same time.
1: Yeah, so it's, it'll, it'll be, like I said before, you know, part of my... Part of my disappointment with this last episode was just the fact that I, as a viewer, not really have don't really have any joy in watching a Snow White Charming story. But again, a large, large part of that is because uh, I haven't had exposure to a Charming and Snow White story, and it seems like they have just been kind of thrown in. If they are now kind of focused and there's going to be more of a focus on them over the upcoming episodes and there's actually more of a, a purpose there, um, it could be something I really enjoy. I think it was just that this episode— it It seemed like a lot of to do uh much to do about nothing, well, I'll just say it in terms of uh a long way to get them to realize that our love is strong enough that we can sacrifice it for the good of the town. I don't think we needed the whole sapling thing to get there, and that's why I kind of said at the beginning, you know they could have arrived at this decision after ten minutes and that you know and did they just manage to stretch it out to most of the episode.
0: So let's end our discussion here with something that's not necessarily even brought up in this episode. But I know Jessica Frey presented us with a theory that I thought was interesting. That apparently it's been going around on the internet that there's a thought Aladdin and Jasmine might play a much larger role in everything than we think. That they have not kissed yet, at least they haven't on screen. And so there might be this idea that they have not kissed when they do assuming it's true love's kiss then something will happen whether it's this curse being broken or another curse or something else happens or another sapling is born that them kissing would have a profound effect on that season what do you think
1: it could very well be um i, th- I think you know that's an interesting point that there was it was kind of brought up that there was no kiss of true love there and we actually um you know there's the we we've seen the 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 savior have uh, true love's kiss before, um, and there, there's there's power there. Uh, so it, potentially, is it is it that kiss that brings Agrabah back? Is there some uh, uh, residual power that that ends up having in Storybrooke? Does that end up impacting this this new sleeping curse? Um, I don't know there's lots lots of different places it could go.
0: Yeah, and again, we saw nothing, and we've seen next to nothing of these people, even though we had the Agrabah episode a couple episodes ago. They're still big players on the chessboard that we know nothing about. But I think it's something interesting to keep in mind that Aladdin is a savior that definitely has its own connections to the mythos of Once Upon a Time, but they also are a true love couple as well. And I know we don't talk about true love that much outside of the Charmings, but it does exist in all of these pseudo-Disney pairings. So I would not be surprised if if they were the surprise contenders for something big happening.
1: Yeah, it's, it's kind of like the... the who are the who are the missing power players who could have a large role slash impact on what's going on, and they I believe uh, do fit that bill
0: All right, so if you out there have any thoughts as to that theory or anything that we talked about in this episode, or anything Once Upon a Time in general. You have a bunch of ways to reach out to us. As always, you can leave a comment on the PostShowRecaps.com thread. While you're here, make sure you're subscribed to our Once Upon a Time only feed at PostShowRecaps.com slash Once iTunes. And if you'd like to give us a rating, review, subscription, we'd always be appreciative of of that. You can always reach out to us on Twitter as well. Kurt is at Kurt Clark. I'm at a Mike Bloom type. Make sure you're logged in and and checked into everything going on on PostShowRecaps as well. We've got coverage of Westworld, Walking Dead, other shows that don't begin with W. The whole gamut is being run here. Once Upon a Time is thrilled to be in league with all of those podcasts. Uh, to finish things off, Kurt, do we have a hashtag for people who made it to the end of this podcast?
1: What do you think about Full Bloom Fairy?
0: <laughs> I, I personally love it, but of course I'm a little biased, but uh, hopefully this means we'll get more appearances of Blue and the chances that she may go Full Bloom Fairy.
1: Yep, let's do it.
0: All right, perfect. So, Full Bloom Fairy, if you made it to the end of this podcast, thank you guys so much for listening. We'll be back next week covering episode eight, which will see us uh, taking a little trip through the mirror. Speaking of the uh, spell of shattered sights, more glass being involved next week. Emma and Regina stuff should be super exciting. We'll talk to you guys then and remember if you see a woodcutter handing out flyers with his face on it in your village you shouldn't get into his wagon. Take care everyone. Bye